When I was 12 years old and a new Christian, the Lord said to me, you're called to love, not to impress. I've been thinking about what that means for the last 40 plus years. And today we're gonna to talk about the spiritual practice of loving people. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Good morning, church. Welcome to our amazing church uh, locally and abroad. We just, we welcome you this morning. So let's begin our service with prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you are love. You are love. The scripture says you are love, and I thank you so much for that. Lord, as we talk about your love today, Lord, may it not just be something that hits us in our head, but it really hits us in our soul, in our heart, in our gut. God, come, Lord, come. Come, I pray, Father, that it just transforms us to be loving beings, to, for us to express our whole, your holiness and your love to the people around us, Lord. I pray your anointing over today's service. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, I have some announcements for you. Every Sunday, we are meeting for our Sunday Fun Day, and we're gathering at different beaches and parks around the island, and this Sunday, we will be at Wailai Beach Park, next to Kala Hotel. Look for Rolo, and come one, come all. We have parents, kids, single folks, all are welcome. Please join us. One of the things I love most about Blue Water is one of the four pillars of our church, which is radical generosity. And there are so many generous things that I've seen throughout the years. People have given cars to one another. They've given furniture. Um, they've invited people to come in their home for a safe space to rest and recuperate. And we also, I don't know if you know this, we give away 25% of what comes in in our tithes and offerings to organizations that are helping folks who are um, in trouble and needing help. So radical generosity is what we're about. And we thank you for those who give faithfully. If you're uh, just joining us, we invite you just to enjoy our service and consider this a gift from us. And now let's get our hearts ready uh, to hear from Sonia. Good morning, church. So good to not see you this morning. Actually, I'm pretending I'm seeing you. Glad that you can see me and I know that the Lord sees you and I'm excited to be delivering our message this morning. We are in a series called Defining Moments and Spiritual Practices, and I really like this series because it gives us an insight into what makes our staff tick. Like, Rolla talked about intercession, Kwok talked about saying yes to your design, Julie talked about the importance of close community, and today I am really deeply excited to talk to you about the spiritual practice of loving people. It's like the most basic command and practice you could get, so it's kind of embarrassing, but it's actually, to me, the core uh, central issue of following Jesus, and I'm pretty sure that you'll agree. Um, I wanna talk um, about uh, a couple things. I wanna share some defining moments that I've had in which God has just kind of hit me between the middle of my eyes. Uh, about the importance of loving people. I'm going to um, give you a, a, a sense of what's required to do that in the most basic level. I'm going to share four tips about how I put that into practice, what my spiritual practice is, and I'm going to close with what I think is really behind the command to love, the heart behind the command to love. So uh, hang on. I think a lot of us in this time are feeling particularly weary, like it's hard to love, and I'm believing about that. By the time this message is over, you will feel encouraged uh, to persevere in loving. So let's go. Uh, there are a thousand ways that you can love people. So many ways you can love people. Yes, you too, Nick. Many ways you can love people. Woo! One of the ways that I have found 
uh, especially helpful for loving people is praying for them. So like a few years ago, I was on the prayer line at church and uh, I don't even remember what the call was for having people come up, but this uh, young man came up. I didn't know him well. Um, I thought that he was maybe a, a seeker, maybe a new believer. His name is Neil Hafner, and I did get permission from Neil to tell this story today. Um, uh, so uh, he came up for prayer, and I put my hand out, you know, put it on him or near him, and as soon as I began to pray, I was surprised by this feeling, uh, just emotions coming out of me. It was just shocked by it. it was sadness, sadness and grief. And I started to just deep inside, just like shake. And I began to cry, actually. It really kind of took me by surprise. And it was a little embarrassing because I didn't really know this person. <laughs> um, and then at the same time, I started to get these fragments of information. And I kind of thought, am I making this up? Is this just... It, story in my head, but I've come to depend on the Holy Spirit. So I took the risk and I began to share with him what I was seeing. And I said, I see you as a, a young boy and like you were supposed to get this present like around Christmas or for this holiday thing and you didn't get it. it didn't, I mean, just that information doesn't seem like a huge deal, but I felt God's sadness over it. And I said to him, um, the Lord wants you to know he is really sad. He's really sad that that happened to you. And I just, I mean, it's so weird. I'm even feeling it now, you know, like he's, he saw that and he was wrong and he is grieving for that. And um, again, it's a little awkward because I didn't know Neil. And I was sort of taking a risk. And then Neil, uh, he said, his, you know, Neil, he's kind of like his masculine guy. And then he started to tear. Like his eyes started to well up and he started to tear. It was like, awkward <laughs> um, and then he said what you're saying is actually accurate and what happened was and it struck a core in his life so what happened was when he was a young boy he was raised Jewish and he was very close to his grandmother he was studying for his bar mitzvah and in that you have to read parts of the Torah and he would go over to his grandmother's house every weekend and practice this uh, and she had these beautiful figurines uh, it was especially a, a, one of a little boy studying for his, bar, for his bar mitzvah. And she promised him that you're going to have this after your bar mitzvah. Well, tragically, she died before that happened. And there was nothing in her will about what was to happen with that family figurine. And it ended up going to his cousin, who wasn't even raised in the Jewish tradition, to whom it literally didn't have that connection. And it broke up their family. Because of that event, his mother had not spoken to her sister in over 20 years. The family had never been the same. Now, I was like, I was shocked that, uh, first of all, that I was getting this information. I had no idea. I hardly knew this person at all. That was interesting. But more profound was that I was feeling the sadness of God over something that had broken up his life and broken up his family. He had never told anybody the story on, on the island, um, except maybe Kristen, his girlfriend. So that was a, a, an experience, you know, of feeling the Lord's broken heart in a visceral way. The Lord wants to reach out to other people, not just through our information, but through our emotions, through our feelings, through our body. And that 
is the kind of love that only God can give, that, only we can, that we can only experience when we're walking with the Lord. And I, I you know, it's been a lot, of, a lot of years that I've been doing this now, and I'm totally addicted to that kind of love. I, it, it is exhilarating. It's fulfilling. It's something that's totally beyond you, right? But it is something that I will never go back on. And I want to encourage you, I want to urge you um, to give yourself to this. You know, as Paul writes, it, uh, the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ is what powers us. And it is a ride that you will never experience otherwise. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Amen. Now, you don't have to take just my word that you should try this, because the Bible heartily recommends it. There is love, love, love all over the scriptures. And I just want to say right now in the name of Jesus, we just break off this dullness that, oh, I heard it before, love, 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 love. That's the enemy. He wants to just tell you, oh, it's so basic. You, you know, this is just dead religion. It's not. It's alive. God so loved the world that he gave his son. It starts with everything. It's the love of God that creates. It's the love of God that, that brings life to everything that we do. Um, Jesus says, you know, uh, love God and love your neighbor. Those are the most two important things. He says, uh, a new command I give you, love one another. And he says, and not only that, love your enemies. Love is all over the place. Um, like I said, Paul wrote, the love of God compels us. Uh, he said, the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given us. Um, it kind of reminds me of that Dr. Seuss book, you know, Green Eggs and Ham. You're eating green eggs and ham everywhere, on a boat, in a moat, with a fox, in a box. Same with us. You can love everywhere. It's all over the place. We can love people we know. We can love strangers. We can love enemies. That's just the way the Lord is. Now, why do you think God commands us to love? Why doesn't he command me to eat seized candy? Because I can eat seized candy very well on my own. I will do that. But I will not love people if I'm left to my own devices. There's something that happened to us. We were made to love. We were made for love. But somewhere back in Eden, we made this wrong turn, and we got kind of twisted so that we won't do the very thing that we were made to do. So how do we get back there? How do we start loving as God intends? Well, for me, I wanted to share another defining moment I had. This happened when I was about 12 years old. Actually, I was 12 years old. I remember it. I was in seventh grade. I had just become a Christian that year. And I was, I had, I was in seventh grade and I was late to school. What else is new? I've been late my whole life. My dad had dropped me off, and I was climbing the stairs alone up the bishop stairs hallway up to the classroom, and I must have been finishing my quiet time or something. I heard like this, uh, like words in my head. It was probably the first time, first time I can remember hearing God speak to me. And what I heard was, you're called to love, not to impress. You're called to love, not to impress. I was like, huh. First of all, it was weird because I hadn't really heard God before. And then in second, I was like, is there a difference? What does that mean to love, to impress? And that conversation has been with me for the last 40 years. 
Now, it, it was really important for me to hear that, and I'll tell you why. I'm the youngest child of five. I have some natural gifting in like singing, acting, being a clown. It's kind of like bread and butter. It's, I was, by nature and by nurture, I was raised to impress. And God knew, and God was kind enough to stop me at the beginning of my walk and tell me, hey, you're not gonna be able to do what you instinctively want to do. If you're gonna follow me in love, you're gonna have to take care of this little issue, right? <laughs> now, how many of you, have you ever been to the store, like Safeway, and you get the shopping cart that has a wheel that's stuck one way? And you're like, it like keeps pulling you the wrong way and it's like really annoying. It's like, it doesn't stop you. I mean, you can keep going, but it just it keeps dragging it. Well, that's to me, for me, this, this issue of needing to impress people is like that stuck wheel. And I have this wonky cart. But the, right? but the Lord, he's like, no problem. We all, you all have a stuck wheel. Maybe it's not needing to impress. Maybe you're a depressed person. Maybe you're an angry person. But we all have things that are like, kind of just impede our straightforward motion with Jesus. So God, isn't God good? He's so, just so kind. He's like, ah, Sonia, this is going to be an issue for the rest of your life, probably. And it has been. So I've been working on this issue for like 40 years, 40 years plus. How to work in my design, how to be myself, but also not fall off into the track of needing to impress. To me, the main difference between impressing and loving is this. The need to impress makes me dependent on people so that I cannot fully love them. Do you get that? But, but love is a powerful free agent. Impressing is fighting to secure place. But love knows it has a place and it can make a place for others. Jesus, isn't that God so good? So think about this. If I'm trying to impress you, I am likely to adjust myself. I've got to filter, right? I've got to tone down the parts that don't fit your vibe. You know, I, I fit your preferences, your requirements. Um, I change my clothes. I switch the subject. You know, if in that environment, it's hard to love because you're always afraid you're going to turn over the apple cart. Kind of reminds me of... <laughs> Uh, Monty Python on the Holy Grail. There's this awesome classic scene, right? Where they're trying to cross the bridge of death and the old guy says, you know, what's your name? What's your quest? What's your favorite color? And the knight says, blue, no, yellow! Ah! And he falls off the bridge of death. If you answer wrong about your favorite color nowadays, you could get canceled, you could get booted. It's a very insecure place to be trying to secure security and your love in this world system. So um, what's the answer for that? And what does Jesus tell us about that? Jesus demonstrates being a free person, being a free agent, independent from the world system, secure in your place in God, able to make place for other people. Um, right now, Jordan and I are working on getting this photovoltaic system installed in our house. And I think this is the perfect metaphor for this. Um, in a PV system, especially if you had a battery backup, I'm gonna get technical on you, uh, you 
directly plug into the sun's energy. And you have the great privilege of not paying Hiko, the Hawaiian Electric Company, for your energy power, if you set it up right. Um, the solar panels receive the sunlight, which is, guess what? Free, ample, all around us, especially in Hawaii. And the battery helps you store that power so at nighttime when there's no sun, you can do all your stuff. So this means we don't have to depend on the world system. We are off the grid. We will be off the grid when we get this installed. Um, and the awesome thing about this is when Hawaiian Electric has a power outage, we can still do laundry. We can cook. We can turn lights over. We can have you guys over for dinner. Isn't that good? <laughs> and when Hawaiian Electric ups their rates, we have like the most expensive power in the country. Uh, guess what? It doesn't affect us. Because when the rates go up, we're still getting our power for free. Now, this is how Jesus lived. Jesus lived off the grid, man. He was directly plugged into his father's love. Like, they were like, they're like this. They're more than this. They're like, I don't know, they're one. <laughs> he said, the father and I are one. He said, I only do what I see my dad doing. He said, the father shows his son everything. As the father has life in him, he also has given life into his son. Like, he is completely powered off the world system. Uh, he refused to play the game of the world system. He refused to align with the world's values, the loyalties, all the powerful people, the influencers. He kept his independence. Whenever Satan tempted him, like, this is the way you could do this, and it'll be easier on you, and you've just got to do this little thing, like, bow down to me. You know, Jesus is like, no. He kept his independence. He sidestepped all of the religious and the political hoopla. He was a free man. And because he was free, he was able to fully and effectively love us. Because Jesus never needed to impress anybody, he could totally love everyone. Because he didn't need anybody's praise, he could tell the truth to everyone. Because he was so secure in his eternal life, he could die for us. And he's inviting us to enter into that same radical revolution, to stick it to the grid, sorry, not exactly, but to get off the grid and to live free. Now, the world and the demonic realm, they don't want you to get off the grid. Why? Because as long as you're dependent on the world system, on human approval, you're going to pay whatever they're asking. You have no choice. You've got to pay the rates. And if you haven't noticed, those requirements are very complex these days. The rates are rising. You know, if you don't look or act or speak a certain way, you know, you could lose your family, your friends, you know, just like that. It is the perfect time for you and me to get off the grid and to be loved by God and to love with God's power. Amen? Super good. Amen. Okay. Now, so I've talked about two defining moments about praying for Neil, about the time that the Lord, you know, just got my attention when I was 12 years old. Um, and then we talked about the importance of loving off the grid. So how do you do that? I'm going to give you four practical tips about kind of how I installed my little spiritual solar PV system. Four ways that you can put this into practice, and I believe that God is going to sweep you off your feet with his love, with the wave of his love, as you begin to take small steps like this. So here's what I'm going to suggest. Uh, four things. 
It's as simple as, you know, the childhood reader, see Jane? See Jane run? Run, Jane, run. Well, see Sonia? See Sonia love? Love Sonia love. All right, you can do this. So number one, uh, the first thing I did uh, to my spiritual practice of, of loving was first to soak in God's love myself. There's no way you can talk about loving without also being loved by God. We need identity, we need affirmation, we need security, we need the joy of the Lord. And, and when we soak in God's love, it's like turning your PV panels, your solar panels to the sun. So I just soaked in God's love. Um, I went to church a lot, I read a lot of the Bible, I sang my heart out, my, my car, my room, in the shower, I worship God. Um, I, I journaled a lot, I prayed a lot, and at that point in my life, it was super easy for me because it felt like life. I, I mean, think of me, I was like a kid who had needed to perform her whole life. You know, youngest of five, here I am, here I am, I'm here. You know, my God was just pouring his love out of me, giving me identity, and that is life. So number one, soak in God's love. Number two, I call this leveling the playing field. I started to make room for everyone, all the classmates, all the different people, because I knew that everyone had the same need. You could look really different. You could be like the star baseball player. You could be the overdeveloped girl, you know, who was more mature than everybody else. You could be the nerdy geek boy with a little laugh, you know, but you all had the same need for the love of God. And I began to see that. And that leveled the playing field for me. It enabled me to actually start to build bridges, to communicate, to reach out. Because suddenly I wasn't so afraid anymore. I was like, oh, you're all the same. You're just like me. We all need the love of God. I became not so afraid of the differences that I saw. I was able to see the commonalities. And then I, I began to, because of that, able to just treat people like human beings. Like I could say hi, I could step up and not be afraid and be confident. You know, I could dance with unpopular boys. I could go to parties, invite people to concerts that I wouldn't normally talk to. You know, actually it sort of boosted my social skills a lot because I became confident. Um, and that's what the love of God will do for you. Um, number three, okay, so for, first of all, soak in the love of God. Number two, level the playing field. Number three, I paid special attention to the lonely and to the misfits. And this is the way of Jesus. Um, so I had a, a Sunday school teacher, a mentor, Mary O. I love Mary O. God bless you, Mary O. I know you're in heaven, and thank you for what you did for me. So Mary O uh, said to me, um, Sonia, you look for the lonely kid. You look for the person who has no friends. You be their friend. You sit with them, you listen to them, and then other people are going to actually start to look to you for leadership. And that's actually what happened. You know, I just put that into practice. I mean, I didn't do it so I could be a leader. I just did it because that's the way of Jesus. Jesus spent time with people with bad skin, rough manners, no prospects. That was like his, his favorite group right? Um, actually, it's not his favorite group. He welcomed everybody. I mean, the fancy people could come too, but um, if they wanted, but they didn't get the preferential treatment. 
So nowadays for me, what that looks like is like when I'm at church, uh, before church, after church, I almost always just, before I get involved in a conversation, I just look, all right? Who's lonely? Who looks like they're sitting alone? Who's new? Jesus, what, who are you spotlighting for me? That's, that's just become instinctual for me almost all the time. Um, I know you guys were joking. That's how I found my husband. <laughs> Who's lonely? Who looks depressed? Oh, it's Jordan. <laughs> Side benefit. Um, but I encourage you to cultivate that, to leave space. Leave space in your garden for the lonely ones, for the misfits. That's the way of the Lord, and he's going to show up there especially. One of my favorite memories is uh, just before I graduated from high school, uh, a boy in my class who I'd been in class with for like four years, he gave me this present. And he was a kid who, I mean, he was clearly, to me, I could see he was in a lot of pain, he had a lot of shame, he was, just didn't fit in. Um, and I would just purposely every day, not every day, maybe every week, just cross the classroom just to, you know, in a nonchalant way, hi, you know, just smile. I just felt like he hardly ever had people really do that for him, just to connect. And I wasn't close friends, you know, I just did that consistently. And just before we graduated, I think the week before we graduated, he gave me this little box and in it was a, a, a golden crucifix on a necklace. And that was the best gift, better than any award I got that year in the school, better than anything I could have gotten because, you know, it just, it said that he knew, he understood that the love of God was somehow involved in our interactions. And, and that's gonna be, that, that's the treasure um, that no one else will see but that God prizes and that has just blessed me so much. Okay, so that third thing was pay attention to the outliers, the lonely ones, the misfits. Number four, the last tip on what a spiritual practice I have that developed through since I was 12 was to love your enemies. And for me, when I was 12, what this basically means was don't be afraid of your enemies. At least get that far. I just remember the first time, like this really cool boy, surfer, he swore a lot, you know. He told me, oh, I heard you're a Jesus freak. And I was like terrified, you know. I was like skinny Chinese, I had braces, I had glasses. I was like shaking inside my knees, right? And you know, all I could do to just not be afraid, stay in the love of God, and I just stammered up, so, and that was good. I was like, that was a victory. <laughs> I wasn't afraid. I did it, right? And I, I could tell you, like, just being able to stay in the love of God has been my go-to, even as an adult, whenever we've been opposed or people have hurt, you know, tried to hurt me or my family. You know, it's that, um, that practice of not reacting with fear or self-justification, staying centered so that you can promote good in that person's life. So I just wanna say the fourth thing is love your enemies. Um, so those four practices are pretty much what I've done to build my personal off-grid system. And I gotta say, the Lord has really showed up. Um, he shows up. I mean, we did the little part, we put the little, we put the little, what do you call those panels up? We put the plug in the system, but he's the sun. He powers it, he is a fireball. 
of energy and joy and resource. And he fills that little system that you set up and he, he powers your whole life. He shows up, he gives you tears, he gives you insight, he takes you on a journey. Um, and it can look like praying for somebody and then weeping and feeling the love of God pour through you. I was gonna say a couple years ago, I was praying when Malia was pregnant with Indy and I had gone to California to visit and I bumped into you guys and I ended up praying for uh, Malia with little Indy in her tummy. And I, I might even know the baby yet, but as I started praying for her, I just started just feeling tremendous, like God is something on this kid. And I just was weeping, do you remember that? Mm -hmm. I just like, the Lord will meet you if you open up your heart and make yourself available and he will show you his mind. And but sometimes it can be really, the way you love people can be really random and ordinary and awkward. So like a couple weeks ago, I was at Foodland, I was in the parking lot, chowing down on my salt and pepper wings. They're the best, food lamp salt and pepper wings. Oh, so good, so tasty. Anyway, so I'm in the car and I'm chowing down on them. And then I notice this homeless man by the doorway. And I'm like, oh, I really love these wings. <laughs> but okay, I felt the compassion. You know, he looked, he was older, he looked really sad. So I went up and I, offered him my wings, I gave him my bag of wings, and he's like, oh, you know, I don't like greasy things. I'm like, oh, man, okay, okay. Uh, so well, instead I went to the store and I bought him a banana and an egg. And I came out and I gave him the banana and the egg, and he's like, oh, I don't like egg. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, you can share it with somebody else, but at least you can enjoy the banana. So then I went back to my car and I'm driving away, watching him peel a banana. And I'm thinking, I'm glad I did that. That, was, that also counts because the love of God flows through even the small things that we do. Our job is just to, to open our heart, to do something useful, and to let the kingdom come. In closing... I wanna tell you one last uh, defining moment. And this is really important to me because we've talked about um, you know, the command to love. We've talked about the things that get in the way of that and some things that we can do to start the process. But I, this last story is what has really helped me to know what is behind this command. Why is it so important? And it's really shaped uh, a lot of my life. When I was in my mid-20s, Jordan and I were on a ministry trip. We were in England with his team praying for uh, folks from this church, just a, a leader's meeting. And I was on the ground. I was kneeling on the ground. I had my face to the ground. The Holy Spirit was present. And then the Lord just took over. I began to have this vision. And at first it was audible. I heard the sound of hoof, hooves, like galloping hooves pounding and I began to just have a sense of darkness like uh, it, the horse and the rider were riding through the darkness and they were pounding and it was the heart of God I began to feel the heart of God it was broken for children children who had been taken from him he was looking and he was desperate and he was committed to finding those lost children. And I was weeping, it was, I began to weep and shake. It was just a very um, 
all-encompassing feeling, the anguish, the desperation, and the commitment. And I began to, I opened my mouth, and what came out of my mouth was just this cry of God. And I cried, my children! And it was just the smallest bit of the passion of God for us, for all who he sees, for the whole darkness of the world that he's looking into. Behind everything that we do is the heart of a father who is desperate to bring his kids home. He would stop at nothing to do that. He would bring Jesus, his only boy, into the world and sacrifice him. He will pursue us until we come home. And that is what is behind the command to love. It's what's behind all the acts that we do. Do not be fooled. Do not believe that the things that you do, your good works, are just you tallying points. No. The heart of the Father wants to pour himself out through feeding the poor, through listening to an old grandparent, through counseling, speaking the truth to a teen, through loving your friends, through forgiving your wife or standing up for your husband, through your singing on a street corner. The love of the Father wants to pour out through you. And I will testify to you that that is exactly what happens. I've experienced it. There is nothing like it. We are tasting just a small bit. Do not be deceived. You were made for this. To be loved by God and to be part of his passionate love. Jesus says something very chilling. He says, at the end of days, the love of most will grow cold. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling it's a little chilly. We're living in a world where love is getting rarer and rarer. Jesus says, because of the multiplication of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. Precious friends, wherever you are, wherever you are on this world, wherever you're listening to this message, do not let your love grow cold. You can persevere to the end. The enemy is going to give you every natural reason to stop living, to stop loving. Listen, you better shut off your screens before you shut off your heart. Turn off whatever is distracting you from the love of God. We have every, every heavenly reason to persevere. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you showed us how to live free. In the name of Jesus, we just say, Lord, we want to live free. We want to be plugged in to the Father's love. 
help us to do our small bit to raise our panels of our hearts to the sun of God's love and to be independent from needing the praise, the approval, the recognition of the world. Lord, take away the lie that we don't have a place. Make us those people who know because of your love our place is secure and we can make a place for others. Lord Jesus, help us to love all people, no strings attached. Especially help us to love the outliers, the people who know that they need you, who are lonely, who are the misfits. Help us, Lord Jesus. We want to be part of bringing all the Father's children home. Let this be to your glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the thrill and the joy and the, the power of walking and staying in your love. In your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, Blue Water family. Thanks for hanging with us this week in the online service, wherever you may be in the world. I love that this week Sonia took us back to the basics about getting poured into by the Lord and then pouring out that love to other people. Um, I just want you to raise your hand right now wherever you are if you feel like this has been like a super tough week, like this has been rough, or you've told somebody like, hey, like this is a really, really tough week. Okay, you got your hands up, awesome. Okay, me too. And for me, what I feel like breaks me out of that is when I make the decision to go and love somebody else, to love the person that the Lord has put in front of me. And that that's it, it's as simple as that. Like I literally just go out and it's like, okay Lord, who are you putting in front of me today? How can I best love them and serve them? And then when I'm in that mindset of like, this week is super long, this week is super tough, and then I just go out of my way and I'm like, you know what, doesn't matter. I'm just gonna love this person. Then the Lord is like so honoring of that and just pours his love and grace into me. Um, because I decided to take that time to step out and do what he's commanded us to do and he blesses us for that. Um, the peace comes in, the love comes in, not that God's love is contingent upon you doing anything, but he honors those who step out of their comfort zone to love the person who's in front of them. So let me pray for you for this week. Um, yeah, so Lord I just thank you so much for everybody who's watching on this video and I pray that they would feel a sense of your love pour into them right now. I pray that you would fill us all up as cups, Lord, of your love so that we can overflow into the people that you put in front of us. And God, help us not to forget to, to overflow and to pour out, knowing that you're gonna pour more back into us. Yeah, God, that you pour into us so that we can also pour out to other people. Make us your conduits of your love this week. Yeah, amen. Um, and if you feel like you are like in need of a little bit of the Lord's love and presence and you feel like, man, that's not something I've felt for a while, I really encourage you to hit up the prayer line. We haven't had a lot of people hit up the prayer line recently and there are people who are willing to pray for you to experience God's love in a powerful way today. So please, please, please take advantage of that if you feel like, yeah, I'm not feeling God's love. I'm not feeling like overflowing to other people. Get poured into so you can pour out too. Um, 
All right, guys. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in.